Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this morning, we're going to start a uh, new series. We're going to start reading uh, the book of Ruth together. Ruth is a uh, multi-layered story uh, about love, the kind of love uh, that God shows to people like us and the kind of love that God grows in people like us. It's a story about love that is set in a time of uncertainty and chaos and loss. So let me read the, uh, the first 18 verses of the book of Ruth for us. It's a little longer um, than what we usually read together. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and, and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. This is God's word and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. 
Father, we ask uh, that you'd use this word that we've uh, read together and heard together that we're going to talk about together to show us your uh, steadfast, unfailing love to us in Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. A few months ago, uh, I asked my dad, who is 80 now, uh, is also probably watching, so hi, dad. Um, I asked him if he felt like the days that we're living through now uh, in our national life were like the ones that he lived through in the late 60s and early 70s. You know, I asked him, did things uh, feel more troubled now or about the same or worse? And when I asked my dad that, he paused um, and he kind of looked off for a few seconds. Um, And then he told me he thought maybe things were worse now. Uh, There's no way, of course, to measure that, um, but there is no doubt that we are living through a time of upheaval. New York Times uh, columnist David Brooks has recently called it a moral convulsion. Uh, He says the events of 2020 didn't start this uh, convulsion, um, but it it accelerated every trend of it. This is what he writes, the, the coronavirus pandemic, the killing of George Floyd, militias, social media mobs, and urban unrest were like hurricanes that hit in the middle of an earthquake. They flooded the ravines that had opened up in American society and exposed every flaw. Brooks says now he sees America as a broken, alienated society caught in a distrust doom loop. We might not uh, quite say it like that, but we do feel it almost every day in our relationships, in our workplaces or where we study, in our own thoughts, if we will let our thoughts catch up to us. And that's in part why I think the book of Ruth might be um, helpful to us. It might have something to say to people like us. I mean, the very first line in the story of Ruth is, in the days when the judges ruled. (laughs) This was a notoriously difficult time in the history of God's people. It was a time of rapid national deconstruction of morality and faith and trust. And the book of Judges famously ends with this really desperate description of human chaos in those days. There wasn't any king in Israel. People just did whatever was right in their own eyes. Harassed, helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and settled somewhere into that turbulent story is another story, a story of a little family going through their own private upheaval and loss. And into that grim moment, self-giving love breaks through, and it changes everything. And it will always do the same for you and me, too. So first, we meet this little family from Bethlehem, Naomi, her husband, Elimelech, and their two sons, Malon and Chilion. They have found themselves in the middle of a famine. We don't know why there's a famine. It's just one of those things, a lack of rain, maybe, maybe a locust academic, epidemic. But it's, it's bad enough that staying in Judah doesn't seem like a good idea to Elimelech. I mean, it's not like the other families that lived in that little town could help them out because everyone was in the same bad spot. 
So they make a choice to leave and to head for Moab where they've heard that things might be a little bit better. That's no easy choice for a lot of reasons. And it's a gamble. But it's the only shot they figure they've got. And so they take it. And then in the span of 10 years, Naomi's life falls apart. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they, they survive there physically. But Naomi is hit with one loss after another, losses that strike far deeper than physical hunger. First, her husband dies. And on top of the pain of that loss, the bereavement of the loss of her husband, the reality of being a widow in a foreign country, of course, sets in. It would make her existence in a foreign land extremely tenuous and unworkable. But at least she has her sons, and her sons can take care of the family for now. And after all, they've married, and maybe there's this slim chance, this slight hope that they'll be grandkids in the future. And that means a future for this little fragile family. But then her sons die before there are any grandkids. So there they are, Naomi and her daughters-in-law, family in mourning and a family in trouble. And you know, we don't have to wonder uh, what Naomi was thinking about all this as it happened to her. We don't have to uh, wonder how she processed it <laughs> because she says it to Ruth and Orpah, her daughters-in-law, as plainly as she can say it in verse 13. She says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And you know, what else could she think? I mean, she believed in God. She believed in Yahweh. She believed that he was in control. She knows he's in control, and now she's devastated, and she, none of the pieces of her life make any sense. In church, this is how we experience life sometimes, too. We know that God's there, we know that he is at work behind the scenes in our own lives and in the bigger picture of our world, but we don't know precisely how, and we don't know what it means. I mean, think of the turbulence that we've talked about, you know, these last six or seven months. I, I know that some of you have faced job loss and insecurity. I know that some of you have lost loved ones and you've not been able to mourn them in the way that you wished you could mourn them. That's been true in my own family. Some of you, like this little family in the story, you've thought about moving to better your prospects. Some of you have been sick. You're not sure how it's going to work out. Marriages have been stressed to breaking points. People are exhausted. And our own personal stories have been set inside this larger, turbulent story going on in our world. And, and we believe that there's a God, and we believe in, in God, and we believe that he's at work, and we know he's working behind the scenes, but we don't know precisely how. And we don't know what it means. 
you know, not, not that we need all of the details, not that we could understand even if we did have all of the details, but it would be nice to catch a break. So let this question hang in the air for a little bit. When things fall apart, what is it that we need? When things fall apart, what will help us? Well, you know, Naomi, for her part, has to act quickly after the death of her sons. She has heard that the Lord has visited his people back in Judah and given them food. The famine uh, is over. And I think that's a pretty remarkable detail, not about the famine being over, that's great, um, but about Naomi's faith. After all of this, she still believes. She does not curse God. She doesn't walk away from God. She doesn't take on another God. She still believes that he works and that he does good for some people, even if he doesn't do good for her. The hiddenness of God is a thread that runs straight through this story. And it remains to be seen how it will play out. So they cut out of Moab uh, as quickly as they can. They head back to Judah. And only once they are on the road does Naomi begin to consider the implications of this for her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. I mean, <laughs> they're Moabite widows. <laughs> There is not much prospect for them back in Judah. It's not their home. I mean, at least, you know, if they go back to their mother's homes, at least they will have some kind of protection around them. There'll be some kind of structure around them. And who knows? Maybe they'll meet some people. Maybe they'll be able to get married and have some kids and have a future for their, for their family. And so Naomi tells them to go back. And as she says go back, she gives them a blessing. And this is the blessing. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. That's a remarkable blessing. First, because it is yet another reminder of the faith that remains with Naomi. God may, may feel hidden to her but he doesn't have to feel hidden to her daughters. But it's also worth noting what it is that she actually says to them. The word that I read as deal kindly is the word that sometimes gets translated as love or loyalty or steadfast love or steadfast faithfulness or sometimes covenant faithfulness. The idea behind that word is an unending, faithful love. It is, as uh, Paul Miller puts it, love without any exit strategy. <laughs> it is the word that the scripture writers use to refer to God's faithfulness to the promises that he's made to us. God has made us these promises. He says, I'm going to be your God, and I will redeem you, and I will be faithful to you even if you are not faithful to me, and I will, no matter the cost, keep my promises to you. That's the word that Naomi uses. That's the word that she blesses her daughters with on the road. And so Naomi 
has answered our question. <laughs> when things fall apart, people like you and me need the unfailing, self-giving love of God. When things don't make any sense to us, we need the unfailing, self-giving love of God. And I wonder, you know, did she pray that little blessing for herself? You know, for, for the ability to see it right there in front of her? That it could be that God might deal kindly, you know, with her? <laughs> I think that would be a good prayer for faithful people to pray, that we would be able to see when things are falling apart the steadfast love of God for people like us, that we would be able to rest in it. That would be a good prayer. That's a prayer that the psalmists pray again and again and again, <laughs> and we could learn from them. Well, you know, uh, despite that really sweet blessing, these women are having none of it. <laughs> they weep at her words, and they plead with her to reconsider, and they tell her they're not going to go, and that's when Naomi starts doing all of these backflips to get them to go. You know, it's like, I, I wonder if she imagines somehow that she's cursed, you know, and if they stick with her, they're going to get some of that curse that rubs off on them. I don't know what she thinks. Like, there's no hope for any of them if they stick together. And that's when she tells them. She believes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against her. And even though it's exceedingly bitter for her, it doesn't have to be that way for them. They should just leave her alone. They should just go back because the prospects are too bleak for all of them together. And Orpah gives her one last kiss and leaves. And you know the storyteller, uh, and no one in the story has even a hint of judgment on Orpah for doing that. It was the choice that she made. But then something remarkable happens. Ruth clings to Naomi. <laughs> she clings to Naomi. And church, there's a whole world of good in those words. There's a whole uh, world of good in Ruth's stubborn persistence. She abides, she remains. And this is what she says to Naomi, where you go, I'll go. And where you lodge, I'll lodge. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I'll die. And there I'll be buried. Church, Ruth puts a stake in the ground. She enacts love for Naomi. And it is love with absolutely no exit strategy. <laughs> it won't matter to Ruth one bit, not one bit, if all of Naomi's dire predictions come true. Won't matter at all because she will be there to the end. Sometimes the self-giving and steadfast love of God for people like us is shown to us most clearly when someone shows us steadfast, self-giving love. 
Sometimes we see God's steadfast, self-giving love for us in the most clearest, purest form when we are being loved by someone who loves like God loves. I mean, it could be like death for Ruth, (laughs) but that doesn't matter to her. Whatever the cost, she is going to stick with Naomi. And that is the kind of love that changes everything. God is not hidden to Naomi. He's right there. Ruth is the answer to Naomi's lament. She is the answer that God gives. And Jesus called out precisely this same kind of love from people like us when he told his disciples on his final night that the whole world was going to know that we are his followers if we love one another. (laughs) That is the kind of love that Jesus is calling out of you and me, love that abides, love that sticks, love that remains. This is the love that Jesus was about ready to show on the night that he taught his disciples that. He is headed to the cross in order to love them to the end with absolutely no exit strategy so that we can be forgiven of our sins so that we can be restored to our humanity, so that we can be enabled to love as we have been loved. And Ruth, in all of her stubborn beauty, with all of those tears running down her face, is a pointer to Jesus. Church, I promise you, (laughs) I promise you, there is someone around you right now, there is someone in your life who needs to be loved like that. And so here's my challenge, (laughs) that you would ask God to show you with whom or where to start or where to stick, if that's the case, and ask him to help you cling to that person like Ruth clung to Naomi. The love that God has shown you will enable you to do that. So you wonder if Naomi can see it. If she can see that Ruth is God's answer to her lament in a troublesome, chaotic world, in a world of loss and turbulence. You wonder if she can see, you know, that God steadfastly loves her, and Ruth is how he's going to show it. Well, you know, the storyteller says when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said, no more. She gives up. (laughs) Resignation. You know, a big fat whatever. (laughs) Well, church, the steadfast love of God is a long game, and he does not get tired. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask together that you would help us to see, (laughs) just like Naomi needed to see out on that road, that you do deal kindly, and that you were doing it through the love of someone else. Help us to see and to believe that your son has loved us to the end. He deals kindly with us for our good forever. 
Father, help us to see and to believe and to live and rest in that. Do it so that we'll grow up in our own faith and do it so that through us you can love this broken world around us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.